0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
1: From the creators of Cold Case Files and PD Stories comes the next great true crime podcast, I Survived. Every week, I Survived presents chilling first-person accounts from people who overcame deadly situations, allowing the survivors to describe the events as they unfolded and how they made it out alive. If you love true crime, you are going to love I Survived. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, PodcastOne.com, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every week. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Daniel, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is Seth Partnow of The Athletic. We go through a lot of different topics, from the early returns on Zion Williamson in New Orleans, Luca and Kristaps Porzingis in Dallas, the Eastern Conference overall dynamics, and a, a lot in between. Plenty to-, to discuss. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and use that podcast one promo code for a fifty percent sign up bonus. Episode runs a little bit under an hour. I hope and expect that you will enjoy. it. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh,
0: good to be here, wherever <laughs> I am,
1: <laughs> wherever in part from, from from parts unknown. And I, I think well, that the there are a lot of different places that we could start. I, I think one of the pl- places that is worthwhile is in New Orleans. Uh, I, Nate and I just did. We're recording this on Thursday on Wednesday night. Nate and I did the Pelicans Mavericks game. We'll probably talk about the Mavs too, and. There just aren't that many parallels to what, to what Zain has done. And it's not a perfect – it's not a bro, uh, like an infinitely rosy picture. But what he is doing, especially on a positive vein, is just so uncommon.
0: I mean the style is a little bit different, but I think there's actually a pretty good comparison. I think it's – I think this is, this is like pre-knee injuries. Amari Stoudemire is a lot of overseeing. Yeah. The- just on, on, on sort of on both ends.
1: Yeah, that might be right. And it might also be because pre-injury Mari Stoudemire was a little bit – like that was kind of right as I was getting into the league because I got into it so much later than most people around our our general peer group. But yeah, I mean the the idea of him being unstoppable around the basket, I mean they're almost unstoppable. There have been a few teams if you have two bigs that have slowed him down and –
0: well, just to just to you know refresh your memory, like rookie Amari Stoudemire coming straight out of high school. I have a I have a memory of, of him giving like the first time he, he I don't know if it was the first time, but they played they played the Timberwolves. This was like peak Kevin Garnett, and he gave him thirty something. So like you know that's that's I don't think that's an awful comparison. And again, there were some of the same. Um, Fundamental, f- fundamental flaws and lack of attentiveness on defense that I'm sure we'll get to as far as I am. But I think that's even though obviously the body types are like diametrically opposed. I think it's a like just from a, a, a style and production standpoint, I don't think it's a, a terrible comparison.
1: Yeah. And so just just to get some of those top line numbers out there. Twenty five P E R, thirty one usage, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's a small sample size, but to be up there, sixty two percent true shooting, you can actually see that go up, but if he was a better free throw shooter, that would help. And we'll see what the jump shot what happens with that he had that the high water mark was his first game, and I mean I, I thought he was gonna straight up not be a shooter, and I wonder where the set shot is gonna go, but you know, like the overall is yet there. But to do to do that kind of damage, I mean there's this just general Understanding that we all have that rookies are rookies are generally negative players on both ends of the floor, and you know Zion has a lot of that on the defensive end, the inattentiveness as you talked about, and just figuring a lot of stuff out, especially because he came in midstream. And that coming in midstream is part of what has really struck me with this is that it's not just oh, he was like Rip Van Winkle and was asleep for all this time that he came back. No, he had knee surgery. Like, he had significant stuff. And, it, you know, as you kind of got into, we'll talk about this a little bit later in your conversation with Tim Cato, player development is not linear. It doesn't always go in that direction. Being this effective and this dominant at a young age is important.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, just there's an interesting, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I saw this on Twitter the other day. Uh, just on shots in the restricted area, he's got a twenty four percent usage rate or something thereabouts.
1: Yeah, that's like, insane. That's, there was a I, that's, that's I, absurd. I, I can't remember who had it. That like for per their stats, that Zion has like the highest rim gravity in the entire league right now. Yeah, that, uh, that
0: was uh, Andrew Patton.
1: Andrew Patton. Uh, that, that's yeah. That's incredible. I mean, you think think about all of the other great dominant forces, including you know Giannis, <laughs> who yeah. who are in that mix, and to um to to do that is you know and it is a small sample size but i think there's there's some variance in that sample and there's a lot of usage in that sample so i think that Zion has has been really impressive and the part I, that i'm having trouble reconciling and this ties in with the defensive stuff is that Zion has going back to when we when he was a prospect even before duke honestly for the, i i had seen him play a little bit before that and and i mean obviously what he did at duke and then what he's doing in new orleans he has very pronounced strengths and weaknesses as a player and for those of us who think about things from a team-building perspective, as, as you and I often do, the natural next conversation is, well, what do you put next to him? And I think on the perimeter, the answer is very similar to what you what you do for anybody else. You want capable ball handlers, you want shooting, you want defense, all that type of stuff. That's There's not really much that's different there. Ideally, you want guys who are a little bit more capable as catch and shoot so that when they get the opportunity, when defenders load in Zion that they can get something that way but the bigger challenging thornier question is what do you do next to him at the other let's call it the closest front court spot because whether zion's a five or a four is an open question and that's going to be a challenge and it's also not a challenge that has necessarily the same answer when he's 20 and when he's 24
0: right and i think that a lot of it is how it progresses defensively um you know, it's even though he and Ingram, I think, can be very complementary offensively. Uh, I think they, they actually, as a you know pairing going forward, and this is enormously premature for where this New Orleans team is. But to get where they want to go, um, the lack of a, of anyone who can credibly defend, kind of the big wing scores, is is just pronounced. Um, I forget I forget who I was. Uh, I don't know if it was the Lakers and the Clippers or somebody, but they were. Pl- I think it had to have been the Lakers because you know uh, uh, Drew Holiday was trying to guard LeBron, and that didn't work, and then and then <laughs> uh, Brendan Ingram was trying to guard LeBron, that didn't work, and then you know they didn't they didn't even uh, fake towards having Zion guard LeBron because you know that wouldn't work uh, yet. So, the, but the, with a front court of Ingram and Zion, who to guard? to guys who are the best players on top level teams. That's going to be an interesting question to, to, to address. And, you know, that, that probably points to why when people are looking, you know, looking far forward, like Zion at the five is, is in some ways the most natural solution, but then Zion at the five, uh, exposes kind of his defensive limitations all the more, uh, you know, for his for his obvious physical gifts, his, uh, he, the degree to which he has impacted the ball in terms of, you know, things like steal and block rate and, and uh, you know, uh, contesting shots at the rim has been pretty poor. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, reasons for that. He doesn't know where he's going, both because rookies, both because he's a rookie and also he didn't have, he, he, he missed kind of the, the big chunk of the season where a lot of this learning would have happened. Um, And 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 also he's you know he's six six not not you know six ten so but there's a lot that needs to to improve there
1: beyond the the height issue something that is you know largely correlated with that he also doesn't have long arms like so some people could say like oh you know Draymond Green similar height and not nearly the same bounce as Zion and he's been you know the small ball five successfully for some of the best teams in recent history. But Zion isn't Draymond mentally. He isn't he isn't Draymond in terms of wingspan and that affects, you know, the ability to close out, that affects your ability to be a rim protector. And I think a big part of why a lot of us have fixated on Zion potentially being a 5 is because when you think about the, as you kind of got into with the Ingram stuff, when you think about those complementary skill sets offensively, defensively, the it's more likely to find somebody who's power forward size who does who checks as many boxes as possible. You're not going to expect somebody to get everything. And the most important boxes first. You know, you start start there in terms of space and get everything else. But there is this compelling group of center sized guys that can space the floor. They're not all high usage guys necessarily, but if you have a three point shot that teams have to respect. And then, you know, not everybody's going to be the extreme that Brooke Lopez last season was, where it's, you know, one of the best rim protectors in the entire league and also taking and making a ton of threes. But we're seeing more of that around the league. And I, I think that might be the end game. But then you talk about as you got into with the Ingram Zion stuff, that changes your defense too.
0: Yeah. And, and again, that still leaves uh, a, a very specific gap that is probably not a huge problem against 25 teams, it's just a problem against the kind of the most important five teams. So again, hugely premature for, for, for a team that, that, you know, it doesn't given they've given kind of some of their tough losses in the last week, doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, it's, it, that's getting way ahead of ourselves, but that's still, that is still a difficulty that the specifically the assuming they, they max Ingram out this summer, that, that is a difficulty that they are going to have to contend with.
1: It is, and Griffin is also going to have to deal with having to make earlier decisions on some of their other young guys than maybe he would like because Ingram getting his contract this year, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, they're getting their raises next season or potentially extensions this summer slash fall. And the good the good news is that it's, it's easier to... Define that in the abstract. I think that for the, especially on the perimeter, they can focus more on is this guy a good player? Is he worth the money of the offer sheet that he's getting versus how does they, how do they fit with Zion? I think that that's generally the way this can work now. But at the same juncture, being wrong on any of those, especially if it comes with a big financial commitment, can be really hard to untangle. And that's not only a part of what happened to New Orleans with Anthony Davis, but also think about Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns, where they haven't had the financial flexibility to, to really make a team that makes sense around Towns.
0: Well, I mean, with due respect to those teams, I think that that New Orleans is you know you know is much more in the sort of good problem to have zone. Yes, as far as their, as far as there, oh, you have to worry about you know like you know, have to worry about what a good number for Josh Hart is. That's, you know, that's a, or what a, you know, I don't think, I I don't think Lonzo Ball is in like, like max discussions the same way that Andrew Wiggins was. And Lonzo Ball is significantly better now than Wiggins was when he got that extension. I think, I don't think that's controversial to say, especially as, as Lonzo's kind of uh, addressed some of his jump shot issues a little
1: as two of the members of the pre-draft Lonzo Ball fan club, should we talk about how things have changed a little bit for him? You know, other than free throw line stuff, which has not changed at all for him? Um,
0: I, I mean, what, what, do you think is, what do you think has changed? I think, he's, I think he is, you know, the, uh, the literal unwinding of the jump shot has sort of turned him into kind of the guy that we thought he was.
1: I think so, too. I think that the unwinding of the jump shot has been important. And something else that I think is interesting, comparing you know his days on the Lakers versus now, and some of that is, is the the change in role, obviously, is that a higher proportion of his three-pointers are assisted now than before. And you don't usually see that, but now he's playing with Drew and some of the other structures that, that New Orleans has. And also now with Zion being a capable passer out of the attention that he gets, that will, 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 I wonder how that's going to change. And, and for Lonzo... It was always he needed something else to force defenses to to pay attention to him because a lot of the other things are so good. You know, the the ball never sticks with him. He can move. His his defense is very capable. So, like, the idea for me with Lonzo was always that he could be, that he was more a part of the machine rather than, like, the the defining piece of it and i think it's a lot more likely that that happens in new orleans partially because what zion the way that zion succeeds let's let's compare it to like when he played with lebron like the way that zion succeeds and the way lebron succeeds are meaningfully different in ways that i think make lonzo a more logical complementary piece
0: i um, i think he- the thing you said about lonzo that was one of the things that that had that had me most excited about him to begin with was his willingness to get off the ball um he you know a lot of a lot of sort of hyped point guard prospects are guys who you know they especially in like today's day and age where like the spread pick and roll game for a for a ball dominant guard is like reaching like low earlier and earlier age groups of basketball um he's not that like that's the one like one of the first things that jumped out at him at UCLA when he was when he had talent around him was how willingly he gave the ball up and how content he was to give the ball up in space and let someone else work so i think you know i think that that he, he can be a complementary player around anybody i think this like the 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 lonzo we're getting this year would be perfectly fine on on the lakers right now i think true don't yeah. you? I mean, I mean, wouldn't they? Wouldn't the Lakers kill to have this this kind of something resembling this version of of Lonzo getting Rondo's minutes?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially Lonzo right now. He's making 38 percent of his threes on 7.2 attempts per 36 minutes, 9.2 per 100 possessions. So you know, going going per possession that takes out the the pace element of it. And capable defender makes good decisions. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they would love to have it. And you, you think about some of the. The structures of those the trades. I mean, he was needed a salary ballast. Like that was the difference between Lonzo Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. Is that Kuzma's salary was so low that he didn't have to be in the trade to make it work financially. And obviously, Anthony Davis has done very well for the Lakers. But you're right that that they do really miss complementary players like that. And you know, there's been this conversation about who are the fourth and fifth Lakers in their closing five. And Lonzo Ball would have been one of those guys. Would he have been available? But you know,
0: well, the, the the Lonzo Ball Alex Caruso feud would have been.
1: Oh know. man. Well, I'm th- I'm, thankful, I'm thankful I'm thankful we don't have to deal with that. Still lots more to talk about with Seth, but first message from BetOnline. March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to BetOnline and open an account today because their $100,000 Bracket Madness starts on March 15th. Yes, that's right. hundred thousand dollars and March fifteenth. If you are a hardcore or just casual fan, Bet Online's hundred thousand dollar Bracket Madness is the way to play this tournament season. But remember, NBA of course and the XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion, check out Bet Online. And if you do, use that Podcast One promo code for a fifty percent sign up bonus. Great games going on in the NBA, seemingly every single day. Have Clippers Rockets coming up, and just just interesting stuff on the slate. If you're a basketball fan, I mean, recording this on Thursday after. The super fun Pelicans Mavericks game from set from Wednesday night, and then college basketball, everything going on, gonna have conference tournaments soon too, and then UFC 248. So, really, whatever you're into, you could check it out at BetOnline and go to BetOnline.ag. Use that podcast one promo code to give yourself a 50% sign-up bonus, which is absolutely fantastic, but also to tell them that you came from us. Hopefully they can continue to advertise with this fair podcast. That would be fantastic. And whatever you're into. Check it out at Bet Online. your online sportsbook experts. We can move on, unless you have something else on the Pels, uh, to the team they played on Wednesday night, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. You, you did a nice collaborative piece with Tim Cato of The Athletic, kind of going through Luka's development this year, his effects on Porzingis. And I think one of the most important places to start, even though it is a little bit of cold water on what has been such a spectacular season – is the idea that Luca has grown a lot you know in terms of usage yeah. and other things between yeah. his rookie year and his second year, but that doesn't mean this is just the the way that his growth is going to continue moving forward forever i mean
0: he's he's aiming at a pretty small target to get better to get to get meaningfully better like there's definitely stuff around the edges like he can he can become a better open shooter he's a, he's actually been a pretty uh, mediocre accuracy on on the open shots he does he hasn't even done of them because of how much he has the ball in his hands but he's still i mean he's uh, league average on like a like a, like an uh, a, a, an open three pointer with uh, 6 6 or more feet of space is 38 39% for his career I don't have it in front of me but he's in the he's in around 34 35 and for a guy of his shooting ability you'd expect that to be higher you know for uncontested threes he's 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 you know 32 33 which is you know right around average and considering his degree of difficulty Uh, that like, obviously there's shooting talent there. Um, so that, that, but that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's quibbling around the edges just based on the fact that he's just not, he, he's never going to be a guy who gets a high volume of open threes. Um, so, you know, small changes in percentage are improvements, but not like sea changes.
1: Yeah. I I think that's, that's a fair way of thinking about it and calibrating, you know, go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say the, the the one the one thing that I really want to hit on with that is a lot of kind of the the whether it 's you, you assume it 's a curve or some kind of like a a stepwise development or something like that in young players is them sort of proving they deserve to have a bigger role and you know their improved production is uh, is sort of a function of Oh wait, he can okay, he's he's a good third option as a rookie. Oh, he's a good second. Okay, now let's give him the keys. I mean, Luca got the keys. There's no there's no bigger role for him to to step into now. So that's again, that's that's uh, a hard part of of you know expecting further growth is the he almost literally can't have the ball more than he does now. And another and so,
1: another component of that is also Figuring out the complementary pieces. And I think that's another part of the story this year is that adding Kristaps Porzingis, and also having Rick Carlisle, who's one hell of a coach, it, it means that the the awkward development that certain other young superstars have had to go through, Luca's largely already through a lot of that. You know, so like, for example, I mean there was something you talked about with Tim is that when Porzingis has been on the floor, Luca is getting a larger portion of his shots around the basket. And that's not a surprise because Porzingis is such a such a talented shooter. He's you know you have to respect his his spacing. And that creates more lanes for drivers. And I mean, the, the Mavericks don't often, but they can play straight up five out. You know, sometimes they use Porzingis' shooting to have a non-shooter on the floor somewhere else that could be Dwight Powell before he got hurt, could be Kali stein could theoretically be MKG, though they haven't done that all the way yet. And so those sorts of elements too. So it, you, you think about what, you know, sometimes it's, okay, this is a great player. I mean, for me, because I covered the Warriors at that time, Steph Curry was a great example of this. Like, okay, Steph Curry's good. Well, what do we do around him to make this work best? And scheme wise, personnel wise, and you know, that a lot of that took until Steve Kerr was there, and also <laughs> just a lot of guys getting better and everything else. You, but
0: you throw you throw passes. You get better if a guy who's who's a great movement shooter. If you if you actually put movement and uh, ball and player movement into your offense. That was uh, that was the uh, who, who the, the could, rocket who, who science. Could have
1: possibly known. Who could have possibly China, known who that could that have known, Exactly. But, but the, the general the general concept there is is applicable, and so I think with Luca, the Mavericks have a lot of that stuff figured out now. Now, so but what I think that one of the big ones, and this came out in the game last night, is. He's so good at finding rollmen. It's just it's something he's done probably his like close to his entire life. And you don't even want to go adult life with Luca, considering how high a level he was playing at when he was in his teens. But I think that the pick-and-pop element with Porzingis, he just, for whatever reason, those passes, I mean, he's good at it, but he's not like superhuman yet. I think he'll get there. And if development on the jump shot. But you're right. It is a small target. But something that I've thought about for a fair amount of time is for these players who are very talented at a very young age and have a small target is, well, everybody gets a similar amount of time to work on stuff. And, you know, there, there's of course maintenance and everything for the things that Luke already does well, but he gets to spend more of his, let's call it developmental time and energy to focus on that small target than most guys do.
0: Sure. I have a, I have a, I have a half baked theory about something you just said, by the way, okay about his, uh, about his ability to like hit roll men and see angles. I wonder how much of that is coming from a a sporting culture where where soccer is a, is a bigger thing, and I say that because this is something that as the nBA is becoming more of a five out game than a than a, than a, than a post then a post in game is the way that you you kind of use the ball and space has changed like you if there's a post-up player you can't really throw the guy open quite the same way as you can if that basket area is open and so i'm wondering if sort of the vision to see that to not be looking at players and defenders but the space behind the defender and that's where you're putting the ball i wonder if if that's a little bit of 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 you know a uh, coming from a, a sporting environment where, you know, the, in soccer, that's kind of a like a, the through ball is sort of what I'm thinking of here. Yeah, and, and, it, it and I'm wondering if that, that, if that's that has that's to do with it.
1: That's how his brain works. That he's looking right. in those he's looking in those spaces. Yeah, I think that's a really a really worthwhile angle to look at and and take some t- film and ideally, like maybe somebody like Tim could talk to Luca about that because it, it's entirely possible that's how he that's how he grew up with the sport. That's how he sees it, and just is focusing well, on that area. I, I mean, you. I mean,
0: just, I'm uh, another, another player I, I, I discussed this week was uh, Nikola Jokic. And again, I think a part of his passing genius is to see that angle where, okay, this is what's going to be open by the time the ball gets there.
1: Yeah. That's the old and Gretzky thing. Pass it. Pass yeah. it. Pass it into the space where the guy will be and should be, as opposed to what's open right now.
0: Why aren't you cutting where I'm throwing the ball?
1: Yeah, uh. <laughs> LeBron does that too. Yeah. Like, yeah. and LeBron sometimes like staring down somebody who didn't do what he thought was super obvious. You know, that 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 sort of thing can happen as well. And, and so, and with Luca, I think the other question which we're, we're gonna have to get an answer over the course of time I mean with with Dallas to me is closer to a fully realized product than New Orleans for I mean a variety of different reasons some of that just being where they started and and Luca being at a different point than Zen Zion is how do you get from here to a potential conference finals team to a potential NBA finals team because th- some of that is is defense I mean to the the general proxy that I've been using for the last couple of years, sure, if you can be, like, top three on both ends of the floor, great. Okay, we don't, we don't have much to talk about there. Right. But really, the other conversation is, the, the real one is, can you be elite on one end of the floor, ideally with enough versatility or undeniability that it'll work even against the best of the best? And then can you be very good... Ideally elite, but let's be realistic, on the other end of the floor. So with Dallas, I mean, the first part of the first question is is definitely yes. I mean, they've been unbelievable offensively this year. Luka has been the engine of an incredible offense What's he's been on the floor. And there isn't a ton of shooting luck there. So I think, I mean, you could make an argument to me that Luka has been the best or at least most valuable offensive player in the entire league this year. There are others in the conversation. It's not just like him and no one else. Um, but we still have to see does that work against you know the the Lakers and the Clippers or who, at Team X in the abstract that has r- personnel that will be a pain in the ass for them. That is that is one big question.
0: Yeah, look, I do want I do want to see what it looks like if he's being if if he if he's playing forty minutes and for every one of those forty minutes he's being guarded by one of Pat Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. Exactly. Like that's, all right? Okay, that's a, yeah. Fine, but like if your but if your offense is, is based around him and and, and and a team with that kind of defensive talent can slow him down and that gums up the whole offense, that's a problem.
1: Right, and no, the, and that, that, might, that I, might open, I don't think
0: that's a failing of yeah.
1: It might it might open the door I, I, then for Donnie Nelson to realize they need somebody else who can handle it a little bit more because if team, part of part of the value of elite players is the resources that opponents have to throw at them and that opens things up for other guys, right. but the other guys need to be able to do it.
0: Right, but yeah, then that's a good point. So uh, sorry, didn't, didn't do not uh, you? I wanted to finish up your thought on something about um, I I have vague memory of doing research on this at the kind of the start of the year. Kind of what, and, and the number that sticks in my head is twelve. As in, like, if your combined rank of you know you add the your your rank in offensive rating and your rank in defensive rating, if you're like twelve or lower, that's kind of what you're aiming for. But I'm not. Uh, it's, it's kind of like if you're the best offense, how how good does your defense have to be? It has to be top 11 and that's and that as a rule of thumb, I think that that that, that that's, if that's not right, it's not far wrong. So that, that kind of goes to what you're saying. Okay, Dallas, you, you maybe you think you can pencil them in for a top three offense. That means they, they need to be a top eight defense.
1: Yeah. Uh, so do you want to – I'm looking up using cleaning the glasses garbage time filter. How many teams have a collective ranking of 12 or lower? Um, here's the list. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Four. They're three and one. <laughs> Boston is eight, four and four. The Lakers are eight. Five, five in offense, three in defense. The Clippers are eleven, six and five, and then Toronto is twelve, ten and two. That's it. I mean, that's the list.
0: I, I mean, if we're talking about who I think are the five best teams in the league right now, like is that a is that a bad list? <laughs> I mean, the first three, the first three are pretty obvious, I think. Um, and and the Clip, right, you know, the Clippers are always going to be a team that's sort of at least as long as they have Kawhi, they're going to slightly confound stuff like that. Just because well, and of I mean like, they've
1: dealt with it with Paul George too. Yeah,
0: year. yeah. Um, and Paul that's, George, and that's who's something, been,
1: who well, he's been load managed because he straight up didn't play for a section of the season. Right,
0: <laughs> right. No, but that's, but that, I think that's that that's also something that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about some some of these historical trends is that the kind of the usage patterns of players uh, in terms of sitting out games and man, and minute management and 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 caution and coming back from injuries and stuff like that is. Um, I think we've seen just a huge change in that over even the last like what would you say two or three years, and and so that to, to the degree that that cha- has changed sort of the fundamentals of of even the full season sample, a lot of this kind of long term research that we've used loses a little bit of its predictive power in that we're in we're in a subtly different but still different environment. So again, you know. A lot of these things, like if we're talking about like combined twelve ranking, that's that's a rule of thumb rather than something that's independently meaningful, right? Like if you're, if you're, oh, you're you're thirteen, you can't win, or <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right?
1: And and the context matters a lot too. I mean, something that I'm going to fo- try to fixate on both in my playoff predictions, but also in terms of the off season work that I do, which is starting soon because that's the way this happens, is representative samples. So New Orleans is a great example here. Well you know most times you want to look at as big of a you want to look at as big of a yep. sample as you can because there you know people like th- there's all the stuff that happens where it's like oh player x young player x who was awful for the first half of the season they the second half is when they figured out so the first half is totally invalid they're going to be this 67% true shooting and defensive stud for the rest of their life Nope, not usually usually you look at the whole thing however yeah. from a team macro perspective there are times when there is a fundamental change. And so like for me, a couple, I'll give a couple of those. So like New Orleans, since Zion came back, both in the Zion minutes and the non-Zion minutes, I think that's going to be really relevant. For the Clippers, how well they played when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were on the floor, because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to be on the floor for a, a larger proportion of their playoff minutes than their regular season minutes. And those, those sorts of sample choices i mean and then you also have the teams that were sidetracked by injuries you know like the wolves are hopefully going to have more carl anthony towns next year than they have this year the warriors are hopefully going to have more steph curry next year than they have this year and that doesn't mean you want to go full bore and say oh that that guy's definitely going to play 70 games for them you get in or x number of minutes but when we're thinking about moving forward those sorts of pieces of information are incredibly relevant
0: Definitely. Um, and, and really that's, I mean, that's something that's, that's reasonably well understood is, you know, the, it's the study after study has shown that like, no, the way you end the season doesn't really change, you know, your, your playoff outlook over and above your, your kind of full season body of work. The caveat being teams that make major trades or have major injuries. So the second Rockets champion over the full season if you look at their full season body of work uh they they were one of the worst champions ever after they traded for clyde drexler they fit perfectly fine uh the pistons after they traded for rasheed wallace um so so like those are that's a situation where it possibly makes sense to examine uh the the the, okay after this date that's the real sample um, I feel pretty confident saying Zion qualifies. Is that kind of, you know, in, if we, we're doing in, in our wonderful American healthcare system, uh, and that's a life event that lets you change your your elections, right? <laughs> is is adding Zion Williamson it's, it, it kind of kind of counts? It's like it's like uh, getting a new job, so you can you can change your policy, um, and that's that's sort of it, you're locked into the full season unless one of these big things happen, uh, and Zion certainly counts.
1: Zion Williamson made his debut on January 22nd. So if we're going to use that, and, and then also remember now we're doing this dealing with smaller sample size. So you'd actually probably want to look at that compared to a full season for other teams. But here are the, here are the new Orleans stats. They've been sixth in offense and ninth in defense collectively during that, during that sample since Zion came back. Now the ninth in defense, I have some qu- some questions about, but being dominant offensively. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems entirely possible to me. It It amazingly enough, they're sixth in offense during that sample, despite being dead last in turnovers. They've turned the ball over on 16% of their possessions, and yet they're still the sixth most efficient offense because they're getting a ton of offensive rebounds, a lot of Z-bounds from yeah. from him, which is the rebounds on your own misses. By the way, if somebody has the capacity to pull that, then I, I'm, I'm more interested in your Z-bound percentage, the proportion of your own misses that you rebound rather than the number, but I'd be interested in that with Zion. But also, second in the league in effective field goal percentage during that sample.
0: Yeah. 12 of those 16% turnovers, I think, are just bad lobs to Zion, too. Yeah. Or just Lonzo throwing bad lobs to Zion.
1: Yeah, and just, or, just calibrating. or I mean, just cali- Yeah. You know, yeah. Not like, oh, well, Zion's down there. I'm just going to throw him the ball, and they don't realize there are two defenders that are both just like, as soon as the ball goes up in the air, are going to just jump for it.
0: <laughs> or each hold one leg and see if they can <laughs> keep him from getting it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean – but going – I mean, so so going back to, you know, like we talked about with Dallas, I mean, we'll have to see what, where their defense can get to. And part of what makes both of those teams – the parallel I actually talked about this a little bit with, with Rob Mahoney last week is each of them has the flexibility at some point in the future. For both of them, it's probably going to be 21 rather than this summer to bring in other talent after having – garnered information about where they are and so part of that is going to be the sales pitch of can't would another high level player whether that's elite or you know like all nba or you know just very good a very good starter how interested are those players in playing in dallas or new orleans respectively Would do they want the fit i mean those are not historical free agent destinations but you know we're we're seeing players exhibit their agency and prioritize different things so that that's a big one, and also just you know having that flexibility to theoretically not just sign players, that is the easiest sales pitch, but also trade for them, you know, and and something that makes New Orleans different in this conversation because they won the lottery and, and got Zion that way, as opposed to having to give up assets like Dallas did for Kristaps Porzingis, is maybe they use some of their resources not to draft players who are eventually going to fit, but maybe they use those as sweeteners to get guys that they've already identified in the league are good fits for what they want to do.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's i mean we're we're moving back towards that anyway i think as uh unless we have another big cap spike sometime soon where most teams are operating certainly most good teams are operating at or above the cap so uh the additions are going to come via trade rather than than uh than, than via outright signings and you know okay we can give you okay we, you're not going anywhere you've got this pretty decent player on a basically market fair contract with three years left You'd prefer to get something for them. We'll give you a young player and an expiring. Okay, uh, we can do some business. Um, and I think that's you know New Orleans is obviously going to be well positioned for, for those kind of for those kind of deals um, for the next couple of years at least, um, given their their sort of stockpile of of young players and, and future draft assets.
1: Well, and to use a different form of the word stock, the the, the stocks in their portfolio are also diversified now the diversity might not necessarily all, you know, might not work out. The Lakers might be very good in 2022 or 23 or 24 when they have these swaps and, and, and picks, but having, having assets that are unconnected to your own success can be a positive. Boston, I think is a good example of this in the recent past that not every one of those teams, every one of those assets is going to be as good as you hope it's going to be, but having a, Wider berth, you know, it could be that the team wanted to be good, but of uh, their best players got hurt, or it could be any, or it could just be that they ended up rebuilding. And yeah, they didn't have their own first, but the decision was going to be made anyway. You know, those sorts of things. Like what happened to Sacramento, though, that ended up being a better year than damn near all of us anticipated. So I, I think for New Orleans, having that sort of diversity in it is a positive, even if it doesn't end up bearing fruit.
0: Sure. I mean, you're kind of you're you're a little bit referring to uh, Golden State being short the Wolves, right? Like, yeah, like to that. An
1: extent, yeah, yeah. And Golden State shorting the Wolves is is an interesting one. I mean, you could argue that Boston did that a little bit with Memphis, though. That that Jeff Green trade. I mean, that the asset they got in that trade was unbelievable, <laughs> considering that they gave up.
0: Uh, it's, that that it's, would be a sorry,
1: fun, sorry, John. Uh, I, uh,
0: <laughs> that would be a fun thing, to, a
1: fun thing to track. Um, and i'm guessing jeff green would be high in the measure which is why i would name it after him of the amount of times that a player was traded that w- whether the the team trading or receiving that player ended up getting more value in the deal like i think jeff green is probably an all-timer in terms of that like he was traded for more value than he was worth like 3 or 4 separate times in like 4 years
0: yeah, no. That's if you. It's funny when you when you ask. You bring up Jeff Green, the Hollinger. He he. The Jeff Green trade. It's the second one, not the first one that that he that that he conveniently assumes you're talking about.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, total total to, total fluke that it, it, that it, that going going that direction. Yeah, when they yeah. when they got the pick from the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean that that would be – if I ever had enough time to do real research like on this sorts of thing, that, that would be an interesting <laughs> one. That's why now I just throw these ideas into the, into the ethos and then at some point somebody might do it. And it does happen every once in a while. I, I bring up an idea and somebody actually does research on it, which is fun. Uh, let's go a little bit to the east. I think personally that the east is clarifying a little bit more than the west, par- partially because the seeding is clarifying. I mean I think – it's looking to me like the Raptors and Celtics are going to get the two and the three seeds. And then the heat, probably the heat and Sixers, maybe the Pacers jump in depending on health and everything else. And irrespective to an extent of that, I think one of, the, one of my big takeaways right now, and obviously this can change for a bunch of different reasons, is that going team by team through the two through six range because seven and eight aren't going to be threats. I think that things are working out for the Bucks because the special combination of skills that an opponent needs, you know, <laughs> amazing defense, rim protecting defense specifically, uh, three-point shooting, ideally pull-up shooting as well, like, you need to be able to, I would say, check three of those four boxes, I would say, to be, have a real good chance of facing the Bucks, especially because Milwaukee's going to have home court advantage. And as I go through those teams, lots of them, great teams, great stories, great coaches. But the idea that they're going to be able to do all of those things gets a little bit hairy.
0: On some level, I think you're almost making it a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. Um, like, like, you... You take Philly out of the equation because at this point, given their injuries and fit issues and whatever has happened to Al Horford and and lack of depth and stuff like that, they they just kind of they were from a pure talent standpoint. Milwaukee is just you know above everybody else that that and and so even a team that that I think I think like Toronto quote unquote matches up with with Milwaukee pretty well. I mean they're like. Their strengths, like, are, are are things you might need against it, but it's just the the talent gap is the point where that sort of that small dial bonus of the of the the, the matchup advantage, the, you know, the comparative matchup advantages don't do enough to close kind of the the, the top line gap. Um, That's a really good so point.
1: I, yeah, I mean, so so basically, the idea that you're positing is that. There are certain a matchup can a matchup advantage can allow you to punch above your weight, and I, I yeah. think that's I think that's absolutely true, but. If everybody has to punch above their weight, it becomes a harder thing to to believe right. that somebody's actually going to do it.
0: I think, and and th- you know, this is this is this is sort of borne out empirically, like to the extent that like a regular season sample is sufficient. Uh, I think Pelton's done research on this in the past. Uh, this is it came up when the the Nets swept the Heat in the regular season one year, and there was a one eight matchup. It's like, oh, they must have a great chance. It's like, well, they've a, empirically they have a better chance, but it's like. You know, the, the, it was the kind of thing that took the heat from like 90% faves to win the series to 84%. If you, so it's, you know, it, it, it yes, it matters. That's a, that, that is a, you know, 6% difference. That's, that's, it's that's, that's not too shabby. Uh, and it, I may have the numbers ro- slightly wrong in, in my head, but, uh, it was either Pelton or, or Ben Morris at, at 538. I, it was, That long ago, so I don't remember which. But yeah, no. So it matters, but like, if the gap is that big, you're still, you know, it's it's, the difference between 90 percent chance of rain and 85 percent chance of rain from like your perception. You're you're still bringing a jacket. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for for yes.
1: Yeah, and I think there are specific times when you could see it. I mean, I brought this up a lot with the DeRozan Lowry Raptors, where I thought that. There were elements of there of it that were non-representative because if you like when you saw DeRozan play against superior athletes or the, this group of defenders, like this, I had been banging the drum on that Pacers Raptors series that it was going to be a danger, and the Raptors did end up winning that series in seven. But that you know there are specific ones where maybe you say or or it can be you know the the big trade or something else like that where okay there is something greater going on here, however, those are exceptions for reason and at the example I just brought up, the Raptors still won the damn series
0: yeah but it but the you know the the matchup was such that you, you know that uh, that it was it was weird i mean I, I, yeah I, maybe a better example of that even was uh was when the the Hawks without horford pushed Indiana because they just like okay, well, Antich is going to stand out here at the three-point line, and what are you going to do, right here, Bert?
1: Yeah, that that's, and, that's you know, good and,
0: as well. and and part of that is Indiana like had some other had stuff going on that we has never really been fully explained, but still, like it was it was uh, a, some weirdness that let them not play the way they wanted to play.
1: Yeah, that that's a good point. So, if we're looking at that two through six group in the East, we we've. Both stated that all of them would have to punch above their weight. Is there any one in particular of that group that you are most positive about that you think has the best chance?
0: I mean, the best chance is still I, I, like I don't know. It's
1: like let's let's say I, let's say you, you, you Philly take still out- has
0: the highest ceiling.
1: Yeah, it, I would say it, so too.
0: And it just like the window of them hitting it just seems like it's shrinking and shrinking. But this still like Philly is the only team in the nba that is not in la that has two guys who have best player in the series equity in any series
1: right and well so i think there's this interesting duality with toronto and boston so toronto the defensive case to me is is pretty easy you know they have a lot of room protected they also have a you know, having a player, if Marcus can actually, you know, get on the court and be healthy, they have a couple of guys who can protect the rim, log, log up the paint, and also shoot, which is a huge benefit. Yeah. But the overall Toronto offense, I think that's the big problem. Then Boston is the other side of the coin. I think you can make a case that, that Boston has, especially if some of this Jason Tatum pull-up shooting is real, that they have players that can give Milwaukee problems. And so We've actually seen that in the past, though. Boston's personnel has changed around, and Milwaukee's coaching especially, but also some of their personnel has changed around too. But Boston's defense, while it has been very good, it is not specifically structured in a way that I think will work particularly well against Milwaukee. So – I, I think that's the story for those two. Miami, you know, Miami did beat the Bucks recently, but remember, remember the, the shooting disparity. That's something that you did a great job of articulating during the course of the year, which is like if if two teams are close in, like let's say they're close at halftime and one team has missed a ton of shots and one team has made a ton of shots, well, you have an idea of where that might go over the course of the game. That's kind of how I see a Miami series, even though Miami has some real good shooters.
0: I think that's a, that we credit words it's due. That's a Ken Pomeroy uh let say that is a a thing he noticed about the college game but that, honestly that isn't everything
1: like, a ken pomeroy thing yeah
0: uh, yes but still <laughs> but i you know we, we we're in the business of giving credit we, too, we yeah. are it's, and and, yeah. ken,
1: and ken deserves a lot of it
0: yeah so but yeah no that that, that that's right is that you know uh, re- regression is real and doesn't regression doesn't always mean things are going to get worse it just means things are going to return to like a more natural state. So if you, you know, you, if you've shot badly so far over the rest of the series, it's not like you're going to shoot, you know, a high, okay, we shot 30% so far, so far. It's not like, okay, we're going to shoot 40% the rest of the series, but we're going to shoot 35% for the rest of the series. And if they shot that 40%, uh, they're going to shoot 35% for the rest of the series. And, and so if we're close and we're shooting 30 and they're shooting 40, when that's like balances out, we're way ahead. And that's, that's sort of the operative principle.
1: Yeah. That that totally makes sense to me. Uh, is there anything else? I mean, the West, I think we still want to kind of take some time to figure it out. Is there anything else big or small? Do you want to – oh, let's talk a little bit about – you did that piece uh, on talking about Nikola Jokic, particularly as a defender. I thought what was useful there for for listeners is defining the elements that make a center successful or unsuccessful defensively.
0: Yeah, I mean I think the obvious one that people want to look at is rim protection because that's the that's the most visible one. Uh, that's important um I think that you know w- w- in the past some of the folks at my calculus have kind of done some analysis and found that I had a measure of that uh, that that reduced room protection to a point value, and they found that the difference in that point value explained about forty percent of a center's defensive value in terms of like a like a like a, a, a pure floor time impact like r a p m and that seems about right to me um you know if it's it's you know the third. 40 percent that and then you know some rebounding and some you know general pick and roll stuff and 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 you know there and 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 that kind of sums up to uh 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 you know the the uh, center an anchor center's value defensively but so that that may be the single most important thing but it's only a plurality important thing uh so Jokic is not a good rim protector but Jokic is a, is uh, again, against all 30 teams, he's, he's a better than average, pretty good defender. He's pretty, he's pretty impactful because he knows where to be. He's got great hands, gets rebounds, gets his hand on, on balls for deflections and steals. Um, now, uh, you, you can rightly question whether, uh, against higher level competition, whether his physical limitations become, uh, much more exploitable by the, those higher skill level players. Whether you know, both in terms of their, their you know, skill level, their their decision making, and also just their, their pure kind of explosive athleticism. I think that's a fair question. I think we've kind of seen that a little bit at times in the playoffs. Um now that's but that's one of those things that, you know, you start to do the analysis on play on individual playoff series and now we're having, you know, super small sample theater and I get very skittish about, you know, drawing pronouncements about that. But the the underlying point is is despite not being a good rim protector, he can be a pretty good defensive player. Marcus Gasol has never been a a superb rim protector, but he's been a, a massively impactful defender because of his ability to communicate, his ability to move his feet better than you think he can, uh, and 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 his ability to anticipate and just be in the right spot. So it's not like he's the it's not like uh, um, Jokic is the first kind of slower center to slower ground bound center to be extremely effective defensively.
1: It's also, I think, instructive to explain or to, to illustrate how, even though you rim protection isn't mandatory to being a, a modestly effective defensive center, that a lot of the players who are modestly effective without it are the exceptions rather than the rule. You know, like that. Yeah. that, that and and from a team building, per, like, you know, from evaluating draft prospects and figuring out who you want to trade for and sign in free agency. That also is something worth understanding, you know, it's that, that there are players who can do this and there are players who can, you know, and whether that has a ceiling on it. And it gets into something that you and I have discussed a lot. It's, it's one of the terms that I fixate on for a very specific reason, which is defining success. Now, banners fly forever, and that's that's true, but it's also true that the amount of players who can do what they do against everybody is really, really small. So it is a demerit. For Nikola Jokic, that he isn't, that there will be teams that he can be exploited against, and there maybe are teams that his offensive value is different. But where does the rubber really meet the road? There, you know, like uh, is a team going to not trade for Jokic? I mean, maybe you're not going to trade LeBron James for him or something. But that's you'd be thrilled to have somebody like that. And really, there aren't that many times in a in any general manager's career collectively. You know, if you want to go through all thirty, where those sorts of distinctions are truly like damaging like you know like on this in right. the perspective of what are you going to actually do about it
0: well uh, to put it another way okay you have a guy who is a who is a who you know you can roughly break down tiers of players into like top five and then the rest of the top 15 um well who is like that? Tier, tier one yeah well i don't know uh that, that's not that's that's not something i've ever spent time on um <laughs> it's not ever that's not something i've ever roped you into spending time on either um, but no, but so you have a guy who's okay. He's not a top five player, but he's 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 a top ten, top fifteen player. Uh, what do you do now? Well, you okay. You realize you're you have a slightly harder you know road to hoe than the than the team that has the LeBron, that has the Giannis, that has the Kawhi. But you're still better off than the team whose best player is ah, I don't know. Uh, you know, not to not to damn with faint praise, but like Devin Booker or something like that. Like you're 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 significantly closer to having something real if you if your tent pole star is is you know the eighth best player in the league. Yeah, or or there.
1: like what the Magic are dealing with right now.
0: Yeah, or I mean, they, they, I mean they don't like who even is there mm-hmm. kind of like. And that's and that's you know a whole other thing, but in some ways that's almost easier. I mean, if you it really
1: it is because, unless it, it is unless you pay Nikola Jokic and Terrence Ross,
0: <laughs> Nikola Vucevic, Vucevic, yeah,
1: yeah. Well,
0: no, unless unless you did I just of, use uh, the
1: wrong Nikola. Yeah, I did. You did. You did. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, did get, let's get Miritich in here, and then we then it's a party.
1: Yeah. Um, or Militinov. Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Wow, that's a that's a deep cut.
1: He's still in um, my salary cap sheet. <laughs> the the actually that's worth no no because another one of those teams is the magic. The amount of residual rage that I have for teams that never sign their first round picks because I have to keep them in my sheet is just it, it's palpable. Is I have,
0: this I a, have actually the Fran ran, Vasquez
1: rant. I have actually removed Fran Vasquez from my sheet, but I have not oh. yet removed Nikola Militinov <laughs> Okay. And oh. and Chumo KK is still on there, but he's going to probably be on the team. Next year.
0: Yeah, that's Yeah, You know, he's red shirting Yeah. Yeah.
1: Financial red shirt.
0: Uh, they'll rehab red shirt also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought.
1: But so we're uh, talking about how important it is to have one of those yeah. one of those great players. And, and yeah, it is. And it, and sure, it, it is. If if it ends up being true that some of what Jokic does is less applicable against the best, of the best, that's disappointing. But you still got to are, that place, and that's pretty damn awesome.
0: All right, like, are you gonna tr- like? You know, this is this is one of those things where, um, you know, that the, the the sort of the quote process or bust kind of mentality just doesn't make any sense because you know your your median outcome if say you decided, okay, we've built a team around Nikola Jokic and he's not a top five player, so we gotta start over, your median outcome for like a teardown, even giving yourself five years, is below where you currently are. So why? (laughs) Like, you know, all right, it's it's gonna be harder to put, put a championship team around you know the tenth best player than it is the second best player.
1: Well and also are you going to be able Tough. to tear are you going to be able to tear down enough to get that player? Right. You know, like, the part of the process that is right is that the those top five guys, the ones who can be the best player who you would expect really can be the best player in the championship team, are extremely hard to get. And a lot of those players are really only available if you can potentially maybe get them in free agency or trade, or if you have the first pick in that draft. Now every once in a while they could fall fall to fall to the teens, but that doesn't happen very often. And I think that that's the part that the process gets right is that you get the most bites at the apple. However, there, you know, there's still a pretty decent chance that you're never going to get that guy, right. or if you get that guy, then he can't stay healthy.
0: Right? No, I mean, you know, this is not to turn this into a to a, a process discussion, but what the hell? There's a good book coming out about this. If you haven't if if you haven't uh, read uh, Your own Weitzman's book yet, uh, it comes out next week. I want to say the week after. Anyway, it's a, a kind of a a, a very interesting history of kind of the, the 76ers from before Hinky got there to this past off season. Um, and I think, but I feel like that's one of the things that gets missed is like, okay, how often does the teardown work? How often does anything work? I mean, there's not, you know, the, 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 the players that have the, like the teams that have won championships have, you know, basically aside from last year have had like LeBron, Steph or Tim Duncan for, <laughs> for, you know, who the last, for how many years, you know? So the, 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 the likelihood of, of building a championship team is small, no matter what you do. And so it's just evaluating whether, okay, we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be hard to build with, you know, Jokic to get to that top, top, top level versus, okay, we're nowhere. So let's start over. Um, And you're unlikely to get there either way, but figuring out which of those unlikely is the more likely is the challenge.
1: Yeah. And and it can also even be, you know, there are years where you have a, a great, great player, you know, what's going on in Portland right now, and then you still can't even get to the level. And I, and some of that also, I mean, defining success can also, it's worth keeping in mind the the representativeness of the sample that happened. So like for last year, there was that weird dynamic that three of the four, if not four of the four best teams in the Western Conference were on the same side of the bracket, as the playoff started, and so then that led to Portland being, you know, you could say the winner slash loser, where they did get to the Western Conference Finals, but that may, might have encouraged Olshay and you know ownership more broadly, like management more broadly, to say, oh well, we're we're good right now, and not really realizing that that was not reflective of what they were going to be moving for.
0: Right, you start. You don't start from there. You start from zero, and you know if you if you if you you know throw the playoff teams from last year in a hat and drew seedings at random uh the chances of Portland ending up in the the conference finals would be pretty low
1: yeah i i think yeah. that's totally fair uh anything else you want to discuss i mean i know you and i could talk forever but uh is there anything else that you think is worth worth getting into
0: no i got it's uh, it's i'm i'm in boston for for Sloan weekend so i got to save my voice a little bit because uh if if uh, if anyone has ever been to Sloan it's, uh, or any, really anyone, if you've ever been to a conference, you just are on your feet talking for several straight days, and yeah. and so you you uh, it, it, so I've got to I've got to preserve the preserve the pipes a little bit for uh, for for the the, the upcoming uh, damage I'm going to do to them.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Seth for taking the time to come on. I always love talking to him. You can read his work at The Athletic. You can also listen to the Nerders She Wrote podcast, which he does regularly. It's always a pleasure. And you can follow him, of course, on Twitter at S-E-T-H-P-A-R-T-N-O-W. Love having him on. And... We're a little bit over a month away from the start of the playoffs, but there is a lot to happen in the world of basketball between now and then. I will have at least one conversation with Sam Vecini from Draft Context. We're working on the timing of that. That's coming in the next couple of weeks. And then presumably we'll do one after the tournament as well. And then a lot of other NBA content i have actually been working on the guest calendar between now and the playoffs and really getting excited about it. This is going to be such a fun year. And there's also uh, so much to learn between now and then. That's something that uh, Nate and I talked about for DunkedOn. We did an episode on thursday morning about the players who have something to prove for the remainder of this year a lot of those young guys are trying to establish rotation or starting spots and those sorts of angles are going to be very important to watch the remainder of this season if you want to support this show you can subscribe download every episode that's extremely important you can spread word of mouth you know if you tell think people like this episode or the show in general that's a great thing you can do and leave a rating leave a review in the podcast player you're choosing it's great if it's apple Podcasts. totally understand if it's not and if you want to be super awesome you can actually leave a review both places and it's just so people can find the show but the most important thing you can do for this ep- for this podcast and any other that has them is check out our sponsors BetOnline. online go to betonline.ag. use that podcast one promo code for a 50 sign up bonus and that's that makes a world of difference you can also check out the show if you are somebody who listens to podcasts on spotify we are now on spotify so you can check that out there wherever we, should, we hopefully will be wherever and if you are running into any problems every once in a while people tell me about a place they want to listen and and they don't that's outside of my pay grade but i can pass it to the people who it is inside their pay grade and and either get an answer to you or ideally affect change and that is something that is good for us to know if there's a place that you are wanting to listen to this show or any other and cannot then that lets us us know what's coming up or deal with a technical issue, anything like that. So can do that and the best way to do so is dating NBA at gmail.com. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is a promise. I will get I will respond to you if I can. That is something I try to do, but the promise is to read it because I don't want you to waste your time. That is I value your time and my own too much for that to to transpire. I have a couple pieces that are either out or coming out at The Athletic, including one about the siren song of the 2021 free agent class, all these really high-end free agents, but they're, all of them have a good reason to stay where they are. And so I think that's going to create a, a different dynamic for that year. But things can change, and I talked about that at the end, about how things can move between now and then. Also starting collaboratively with Seth and San and maybe a player to be named later, uh, a collaborative series for The Athletic in line with the collaborative series that we did around the trade deadline. We're going to bring those back, and I'm really excited about that. And for those who are interested, my 30-team off-season preview series will also be running this year um so and that will be at the athletic of course and i'm starting work on that now which is both a little bit daunting and also really surprising because you start to think about what options are going to be available what key decisions and that's something i genuinely love so th- thank you for coming along with right so far hopefully you do it so far and hopefully you stay safe with corona and everything else that's going on right now and thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day <music>